just, right now, as we get started, let's just give this service to the Lord. Father, we praise you. We worship you. Jesus, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Lord, pour out your power today. Lord, change lives, change hearts, change minds. Jesus, you are Lord of this place. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Lord, let your power touch people like they've never been touched before. Father, let your love penetrate their lives. Father, we know, Jesus, we know that when your love penetrates the lives of people, they're never the same and problems have nowhere to hang on to them. But your love starts to bring solutions. Lord, bring those solutions today. Bring those solutions today. Bring those solutions today in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Bring solutions. Bring solutions. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. Just, just say it with me. Just say, Lord, we give you this service. We stop our lives and we minister to you. And in the same moment, we receive from you. We won't be the same. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, be with us. Thank you for sending your helpers, your angels. Thank you, Lord, for sending your ministers of fire, your ministers of a fresh breath of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for helping us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Glory to God. Have you ever had a friend tell you about a movie and they're like, oh, this is a great movie, or maybe a friend didn't tell you, but you just had this, uh, you know, you saw some commercials for a movie and it just looked awesome. I mean, cinematic. Like, it's one of those, like, I got to go to the movie theater to see that. I got to see that on the big screen. Like, I, I, this is going to be an awesome blockbuster movie. I mean, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see it. And they build it up, and, it, and you're ready, and you go to the theater, and there's a big line waiting out the door. And, I mean, it's just a, it's a big blockbuster movie. And then you go in, and you watch the movie, and it's a... You, you've, you've been there, yeah. It was a big dud. <laughs> Midway. Um, yeah. That was a movie came out not too long ago, and they built it up to be all this, and it just, man, they just missed the mark. Just missed the mark. And it was just a big dud. Now, here's the question. How did you feel about it? What was going on? Here's the other question. You're gonna keep, are you going to keep promoting it? Are you going to go back and see it again? You're going to pay more money to go? You're going to pay, you know, $15 to get in and $30 for the popcorn to sit there again? No way. Are you going to tell your friends, yeah, you got to go see this movie? Yeah, you'll say, don't, don't go waste your time. If you got to see it, wait till it comes out and you can rent it for a couple of bucks. Because trust me, it'll be a couple of bucks in, in the red box before long. 
<laughs> have you ever been, have you ever had a friend tell you about a good restaurant? And you're like, oh, this is the best restaurant. And it's new in town and everything. You go to the new restaurant and you're sitting there and, and all of a sudden you're at the restaurant and, you know, they don't have the same cooks every single day. And all of a sudden it's just not, it's not good. No, no, it's not good. There's a restaurant here in town and every time I've been there it was great. And then one day I could just tell the same cook was not in the back that day. It was not good. Are you going to tell people to go to that? Probably not. Did you? One day. One day. Many people. One bad day of food, and they don't go back for years. They don't go back for years. I know, I know people that had one bad day. You know, one day uh, somebody didn't clean up good. They got a bad tomato, and they got, they got sick on their stomach, and they won't go back there for years. It doesn't mean that the restaurant's like that forever. It just meant, it really means one day they missed it. That, now, that can be a habit when that's bad, or it could just be one day. But you're not going to go tell people about it. You're, you're not going to tell people about that. You're, you're just not going to do it. Because why? You don't want your name to be on there. I want you to see something. This has been the problem with the church in America. Everybody talks about how good God is and how big God is. and He cares. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He's got them all numbered. He cares for the sparrow. His eye is on the sparrow. He's a big God. He's a loving God. He's great and mighty. But then when it comes and they actually need healing, well, maybe he will, maybe he won't. That's, that's truly the, the majority of the religion that's preached across America is maybe he will, maybe he won't. Well, I need him to be powerful in my life. I need to see something in my life. Well, he loves you so much. Oh, he does great. And Well, I need to break out of this poverty. I need to break out of this bondage over my life, either a sickness or a disease or maybe the disease of, of poverty. I need to break out of this thing. I need God to help me with my mind. I need depression to be broke off of me. I need the power of God, the love of God. And, and the church will say, oh yeah, it's great, it's great. God's so good. He's so big. Yeah. Okay, but where's his help? Well, you know, he moves in mysterious ways. And they have the same experience at church as they had at that restaurant that was having a bad day. And sometimes they're just having a bad day, and sometimes it's, it's a bad decade. Because they really don't know God for who he really is. They really don't know that he is that supply, that I can, I can lean on him and I can find peace in him. And this has been the issue. They don't see people that are so excited about God that they can't help but tell people about Jesus. They, they, don't, they can't help but tell people about Jesus. They can't help but pray for people and see the power of God come through. Many people don't even, they have a testimony about when they got born again, but they don't have a testimony of yesterday power of God. Yeah. 
yesterday. They don't have a testimony of today. And you've got a whole world that's saying, look, there's something supernatural about us. I know there's something more. I need more. Why? Because you're created in the image and likeness of God and He is absolutely supernatural. And you're made in His image and likeness. I know there's more than what I've seen. So you've got a whole world yearning for more. And the church says, and it's in God. But then you come to a service and there's no power. A couple of months ago, I was in Africa, in, in Gabon, Africa. And the Lord, I'm talking about fruit. And the fruit I'm teaching on that night is the power of God. And I can tell you, I'm talking about the power of God. And I'm saying, Lord, you've got to back this up. You've got to back this up. And if you don't back this up, I'm going to look like an idiot. I'm going to look stupid. Because I'm talking about the Lord will, he'll move with power. He'll move, he'll heal, he'll deliver, he'll set the captive free. And if you're not seeing it, then you're not walking in the fruit of God. And we need to see the fruit of God. Listen, the proof that God is who he says he is, is the fruit. And even the scripture says this, my kingdom's not in word, but in power. Well, what are we talking about? The Holy Ghost goosebumps? No, we're talking about the miraculous. We're talking about the healed. Y'all remember the day uh, just a couple of years ago, and this, this happens all the time, but I love this example. I'm walking by, the service is done. Somebody's sitting right, right where you're, you're at, Miss Bonnie. They're sitting right there. I'm walking by, and the Holy Spirit says to me, he says, pray for that man. Because when, when he came in that day, he was like this. I mean, it took him, it seemed like 10 minutes to get to a seat. It wasn't that long, but it seemed, you know, when somebody's moving that slow, it seems like that. But he had had gout rise up in it. And I said, when I pray for you, the power of God's going to hit you and you will be completely healed and the pain will be gone. Now, why did I say that? Not because I, I'm so big and bad, because I was sitting there going, God, you better do this. You better do it. And all of a sudden, I said, stand up on your feet, and when I pray for you, the power of God's going to move on you. He told me to say that. And I'm thinking inside of myself, man, he's going to do it. I, I knew he was going to do it, or I wouldn't have said it. But at the same time, there was a fleshly side of Brian going, man, I hope he does. See, a lot of people, they don't want to talk about the fact that they have, see, doubts, are, are not where we should live, but to say that you're never going to have doubt try to rise up, that's the issue. So I want you to know that even as a pastor that's seen the supernatural, seen dead come to life, seen supernatural healing, seen, seen instantaneous healing, seen miracles in finances, even though I've seen that many times, still that day I was going, please do it, Lord. Please. Just like I was in Africa. I'm talking about power. I'm like, Lord, if you don't back this up with something supernatural, this is going to be a, this is going to look bad on you. You know, then you want to put it on God like, hey, you need, you need to come through. You need to come through. Yeah. Anyway, so he, the man stands up like this. I lay hands on him, pray that he's healed. Now, is this me doing it? No, I'm just, I'm just the one that Jesus is using as his hands and his feet right here. All of a sudden, you see a big, the way I like to describe it, because this is what happened. Big old crocodile tears formed in his eyes. 
I mean, it wasn't like just a little trickle ran down, like big tears welled up because instantly the pain left. He went to running and shouting, you remember that? He went to running down the aisle and everything, and, and the power of God instantly healed him right there. God came through. When I was in Africa and, and teaching on the power of God, I said, Lord, you got to do it. And we get to the point of the service, and the Lord says, pray for the people now. I'm like, okay. And I'm walking. Now, understand, I believe God's going to do it. But I still hear that voice of doubt. It's, it's that I'm listening more to the voice of faith than I am to the voice of doubt. Right. I'm putting that doubt down. So instantly, I start praying over people. Instantly. The one guy I'm praying for, his back's, his back's all messed up. And uh, I put my hand on his back, right on, right on his vertebra. And I feel his whole back under the skin go... Just a couple of months ago. We're not talking about five years ago, ten years ago. We're talking about like now. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. There was like ten or twelve people we went straight to. Boom. Power got healed. 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 Why? Because God's really, truly that big. And he cares about you that much. But the question, the problem is that many times we let the doubt come in the way and we don't want to look like an idiot. And so we won't even ask God to do those things. And so we'll tell God he's so big. We'll tell people he's so big and he's so great and he's so powerful. Just like we'd talk about that movie or that restaurant. And then the person goes and they're like, I thought God was supposed to be good. I thought God was supposed to be good. Well, he is. Well, why won't he heal me? Well, he, he works in mysterious ways. And if you don't know it, I mean, we could, today is not about this, but... God will heal anybody that will go to him. God will heal them. His desire is to heal them all. I can teach that straight from the scripture, scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture. It is settled in his word. What's not settled in the world is whether we believe it. That's what hasn't been settled. He wants you out of the bondage of poverty. Settled in his word. He wants you operating in abundance for every good work, for every good deed. Settled in his word because of his covenant. He wants you overflowing in your life. Is this real? Absolutely real. God wants you in that place. So no matter where you're at or where you've been, God wants to move in power. Not just talk about it. Well, you're in a church today that believes in it. And if you'll have it, you can see that power today. You can see it manifest in your life today. Not leave here the same. Things that have held you back for years, broken off of your life. Well, what makes you so confident? Jesus. And once I, you know, when I first prayed the first time, I had not seen it by my hand before. But now I have. Hundreds of times. Thousands of times the power of God flowing. So it's not, it's not theory anymore. It's a reality. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus birthed his church on a day called Pentecost. Yeah. This is a Pentecostal church. This is a Pentecostal church. That's not a denomination. It's a description of a church operating under the same power that Jesus birthed his church in Acts chapter 2, 2,000 years ago.
a Pentecostal church. What does that mean? It means a church that moves in the power of God that doesn't just talk about it, doesn't just give you pipe dreams and say, well, one day in the sweet by and by, it'll be better. No, we see it in your life. If you've seen the power of God in your life, raise your hand. Look around. This is what I'm talking about. We're not talking about, we're not talking about you know, years and years ago. Just, just in the past couple of weeks, we're praying again, uh, praying for your mom. Praying and lifting her up. Power of God heals her. Just a few months ago, the doctor said she wouldn't live. Now it's all gone. Like they don't even know what they're talking about. Like why were we saying that? Completely gone, completely healed. Is that correct? It's the power of God. The reality of his love. Let's look at this. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. We're in a series called, It's Time for an Awakening. Say it with me. It's time for an awakening. Most of you know a few months ago as I woke up on Sunday morning, the Lord spoke to me very clearly and said, It's time for an awakening. Two days later, I heard a message that Barrett had left me in prayer one morning here at prayer. She had seen a vision of a darkness covering the whole earth. Have you ever seen any darkness like what you've seen in the last few weeks on the earth? I haven't. Man, I've never seen a darkness like that. In the vision, she saw the whole earth covered with darkness from head to toe. And as soon as the darkness covered that whole earth, she said, I saw Jesus throw something that looked like a match, and it hit the earth, and immediately the fire of God caught the whole earth on fire. We're moving into an end-time revival like we've never seen before. We're moving into an awakening. And then, then Jesus said in the vision, he said, she did, this was a month and a half before he spoke to me, and I didn't know he had, she had seen this. He said in the vision, it's time. It's time for an awakening. See, the problem, like the movie and like the restaurant, is that not that the church is not there, but it's been asleep. See, while you're asleep, you don't produce anything. While you're asleep, you don't produce things. But when you wake up, you have the ability for the power of God to start moving in your life. You have the ability for the power of God to move in your life. It's time for an awakening. Yeah. It's time yeah. for an awakening. It's time. It's time for an awakening. But see, men, many in the church, they've not carried that power. They've not carried that fruit. They'll tell every, everybody about the goodness of God and the great things of God. They'll tell everybody about that, but then there's no fruit to back it up. There's no goodness there. I want you to see this. Matthew 16, verse 13. It says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah. But still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But Jesus said to them, But who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? 
Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter had answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, you might not have heard this before, but Christ is not the last name of Jesus. It's a descriptive term. It's kind of like, uh, you know, our last name is Wright. Well, there used to be things like Will Wrights, right? And what would a Will Wright do? They would make right wills. They would make wills, and that would be their name. You'd have a blacksmith that would be a smith of, of black metal, so to speak. And so they would do this. Christ is not his last name. It's who he is, and it's what he brings. Christ is not his last name. It's who he is, and it's what he brings. Christ, the word there means the anointed one of God. But here's the question. Can he be an anointed one if he's not carrying an anointing? The anointing of God is the power of God, and the power of God, the anointing, will break every yoke of bondage on your life. Where many people are held in slavery by a yoke of the devil, the power of God, the anointing of God, will break that bondage over their life. It'll break the bondage of poverty. It'll break the bondage of sickness. It'll break the bondage of depression. I'll tell you, when that yoke starts to break, hear this, hear this. When that yoke starts to break, it can be very unsettling in your mind. It can cause you to get really uncomfortable. Why? Because many times we don't realize it, but we found comfort in the bondage. We found comfort. It's not that we want to stay there, but we have grown accustomed to it. And when our framing of our world and what we've been in starts to rattle and the dry bones start to come back to life again, it kind of shakes us. And if we don't fully believe in God, if we don't fully believe in God, then we can be very unsettled. I can tell you just spiritually what will happen is, you know, if there's, if there's a spiritual force or a demonic force that's got a hold of somebody, and all of a sudden, they get under an, an anointed word, a, a word that's preached with power. The, that grip that's held them starts to loosen. It starts to loosen simply by the anointing. Right. Simply by the anointing. And then all of a sudden, imagine though, imagine that, that you're you and imagine that I am a bad spiritual force and I feel my grip start to loosen in your life then what am I going to want to do if I'm your enemy? I'm going to want to make sure that I don't lose that grip. So what am I going to do? <sighs> I'm going to try and hold on harder. Now, I'm not going to be able to if he'll stay under the anointing. I'm going to lose my grip because the anointing breaks the yoke. The anointing breaks that yoke. But that, that spiritual force will try to hold on. He'll try to shake you. He'll try to rattle you. But if you'll just stay under the anointing, the power of God will break in your life. I've watched it many times in services. People get nervous. They get, they, I've even seen them get sick where the anointing starts to break. That anointing is here. But see, if you'll give yourself to, to the Lord who loves you with an everlasting love, all of a sudden, if you'll give yourself, all of a sudden, the Lord will break that thing that's held you in bondage and you'll come out like, I'm free. 
I'm free. And you'll never be the same. Many times this happens at a, at a, on a big level. And many times it's just on a small level. Sometimes it can just be a doctrine in your life that, you know, maybe you've heard that God's not a healer. And all of a sudden somebody preaches on healing. You're like, I don't know about that. And what's actually going on is there's that bondage that's trying to keep your mind set. But yet freedom is there for you. In me? No. No. Through me, maybe. But in Jesus. In Jesus Christ. Christ is not his last name. But notice here, he didn't say in Jesus. He said something very specific in Christ. Look at what he said again. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. In other words, you are the one that was promised of God that would come in power to set the captive free. You are the one who would come in power. You're the one that's promised. The son of God himself. You're the one. You're the one who would come in power. Now, was this important just that Jesus was identified? Or was it also important that when he said the Christ, he carried something with him, an anointing and a power to back it up? It's not just his last name. It's a reality of the power of God made manifest in the earth. Made manifest in the earth. Brought about real solutions. Not just pipe dreams. Not just a bad movie recommendation or a bad restaurant recommendation. It's more than that. It's a reality of the love of God. It's a reality of his love. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Listen to what Jesus says. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. You got that from the Father. You didn't figure that out in your head. The Lord gave you that revelation. He says, I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, what rock is he talking about? If you follow the context of this, the whole rock, the foundation that he's talking about is that Jesus is the anointed one. He, listen, he says, Peter, on this revelation, on this rock, on this foundation, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overpower it. Would you like to be someone that the gates of hell doesn't overpower your life for the rest of your time? The gates of hell can't overpower it. Why? How can that happen? When I give myself to the anointed one and his anointing. He says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Who's he talking to? Anybody who will take Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall have been loose. In heaven, I will build my church on the revelation that Jesus is not just a man. Jesus is not just the Son of God, but Jesus is the Son of God who's carrying a reality of power. You're the Christ, the anointed one, and his anointing. This is who you are. And on this, I'll build my church. I want you to see this. I want you to see that the awake church thinks and acts like the anointed one. The awake church thinks 
like Jesus thinks. They act like Jesus acts. So if you're a church that's awake, you're not walking in just words, but also in power. An awake church, it's time for an awakening. We can't be the people who just talk about it. We have to be the people that deliver it to this world. Deliver it to a world that needs some real solutions. They need real power. And Jesus has that real power. They need that. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Ephesians 5. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. We're talking about Pentecost Sunday, where the power of God came down to the earth in a way it had never come before. You remember this? That Jesus said, who said it? Jesus. He said this. He said, I must go that the Holy Ghost would come. It's good for you that I go away. Now, whoa, 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 Jesus. It's good for me that you go away? Now, how can that be? The only way it can be is that if Jesus sends a connector, if Jesus sends a connection so that I can see what Jesus sees, that I can think like he thinks, that I can move in power and act, take action like he acts. Because then all of a sudden, you see, uh, the people that were blessed around Jesus were around Jesus. But when he sends the Holy Ghost, when he sends the Holy Ghost, he gave us a spiritual way to be connected to God all the time so that when the Holy Ghost comes on the scene and the, and the person is filled with the Holy Ghost, all of a sudden they are all, not just the ones that are around him on the earth, but every believer all over the earth is now connected with Jesus, connected with the power, connected with his thoughts, connected with solutions. He said... It's needful that I go away. Wait, Jesus, you're going away? He said, oh yeah. Because I'll send something. I'll send someone. A connector to the power. In Ephesians 5.18, it says this. I want you to see this. Don't, don't read this as anything else but a command. This is a command from God. Is this? Don't we know that all scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit? So who's writing all the scripture? God is. So who's saying this? God is to the church. Ephesians 5.18, don't get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. Be filled. He's commanding the church, get filled with the Spirit. If you know anything about language and specifically this verse, it's not just get filled once. This, this verse right here says, you stay filled. Get filled every day of your life. Get filled with the Spirit. Why? Because when you are in, in communion with the Spirit, you're in communion with Jesus Christ. And he's commanding the church, be filled with the Holy Ghost. In Luke chapter 3 and verse 16, it says this, John the Baptist is prophesying, and he says this, he said, there's one coming who's mightier than I. I'm not even worthy to unloose his sandals. But he will baptize you. Look at the bottom of it. 
He said, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He'll baptize you. Who's the one who baptizes you with that? Jesus. Jesus baptizes. And why would he do that? Because Jesus is not going to be around every single person physically all the time. But he says, when I go to the Father, I'll be able to connect to the real you, to the spirit man through the Holy Ghost. But here's the access to it in full. Be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The word baptized means to overwhelm. Just imagine it like this. Uh, If I take a cup and I throw a cup on you, part of you is wet but not all of you. But if I take you up and I dunk you in a pool and you go all the way under your head too, your whole body, there's nothing left uncovered. God, God says, look, I'll give you the Holy Spirit to win you to the Lord and you will, you will change, your life will change. The inner man will be completely changed. He said, but I want to do something else, a separate thing. I want to take you and I don't want to just get you wet. I want to take you and I want to dunk you in the Holy Ghost so that you are filled and overflowing with what? With God. In Ephesians it says this, that the church, he wants to do this, to fill us with all the fullness of God. How can he do that? Because you're made supernatural. You're not made, first of all, like what you see in the mirror, in that body. First of all, you're made in the image and likeness of God. That's your capacity in the image and likeness of God. And he says, I don't just want to touch you with a little bit. I want you dunked in the fullness of power. Many people have been sitting there going, God, I just don't, you know, I, I need to see something. You know, I, Lord, I thought you were good. I thought you were out there. And the church actually is supposed to be carrying that answer as the anointed ones of God, filled and overflowing with the baptism. But they haven't even listened to this verse, this command from the Holy Spirit himself. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Right. I can tell you one time when I was, I was filled with the Holy Ghost uh, when I was, I think, about nine years old. I was, ba- I was born again at seven, and about eight or nine, somewhere in there, I was filled with the Holy Ghost, praying in other tongues, praying in the Spirit. And of course, I didn't know then what I know now, but then I went through some trauma in my life, and, and my parents got separated and all this stuff, and I found myself one day hungering for the things of God. I remembered as a kid, uh, we used to go to the Baptist bookstore up in Greensboro, and I loved going there because I just take some of the books about God and I just read it. And as a kid, I loved that place. I loved going to the bookstore. They had toys that were about Jesus. They had books and tracts that were about Jesus. And I would just read about Jesus. And, you know, it just felt so good. It just was so right. Some, I'm speaking to somebody here today that you, you can relate to this. I can sense it in my heart. It felt so good and it felt so right. And, but then I went through this time where my parents got separated and I'm sitting there and, and I think, God, I need you. Man, and you know, just life wasn't going right. It'd been messed up for a long time. Lord, I need you. And I believe the Lord brought it to my memory. All of a sudden, for the first time in years, he said, go to the bookstore. I went, man. I went to the bookstore. I started sitting there and they had these things called mini books, and, and I'd, I'd read them before, and I, I just loved them. I was, I was hungry, and they had these little mini books, and I got some mini books by Brother Hagen and 
got some by Norval Hayes and started reading these many books. And I mean, I just instantly I, I started longing for the things of God again. I said, Lord, I need you. I need you. I need something. What do I need? I need something. What do I need? He said, you need to be filled with the Spirit again. You've already been filled once, but you stopped being filled. You hear this. You stopped being filled. Well, in order to be filled, you need to be filled the first time, and then you'd be filled every day of your life. I said, well, how do I do it again? He said, stir up. This is him. I'm sitting in the, in the bookstore. I hadn't talked to him like this in a long time. I'm sitting in the bookstore. He says, just start praying in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. And the Word tells you that when you start praying by the gift, it'll stir up the gift that's within you by the laying on of hands. Praying in the Spirit. Stirring up the gift. Stoke the fire of God. So I said, I haven't done that in a long time. But I just started. I, I said, Lord, just give me the syllables and I'll stir it up. I started praying in the Spirit right there in the middle of that bookstore in Monroe. I wasn't that fluent then. It was probably more like, Sha, Sa, Sa. I just, you know, it's been a long time since I prayed in the Holy Ghost. Look, look at this. Ephesians 5.18, look at what it says. Don't get drunk with wine for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, comma, what's the next thing? Speaking to one another in psalms. I was looking at hymns and psalms at the same time. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks. It says, singing hymns and psalms and spiritual songs. Yeah. What is he talking about? He's saying, when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, there'll be a song that comes out of your yeah. heart. There'll be psalms and hymns that will come out of your spirit. This is part of the fruit of being filled with the Spirit. You can know that I'm filled with the Holy Ghost when you start, you start just overflowing out of your heart. And many times, if you notice what I said at the end, giving thanks unto the Lord. I found myself one time when I'd pray, uh, especially when I was coming back and growing stronger in him, all I could do was just, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, thank you. And I was really convicted. I'm like, do I not have any other prayer besides just thank you, you know? But I found that in 1 Corinthians 14, when it's talking about praying by the Holy Ghost, it says, you give thanks well. In other words, one of the things that happens when you pray in the Spirit is you give perfect thanks. So what was coming out in English was simply what was coming out in the Spirit. I was, I was literally interpreting those tongues in English that I'd spoken of spiritual words by the Spirit. So here I am in this bookstore and it just... I didn't know what much to do. I just knew that I could stir up the gift if I would pray in tongues. And so by faith, I didn't feel anything, but by faith, I just started praying in tongues. You know, the word says this, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you'll be born again. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Now, when you start confessing, are you born again? No, you say it by faith. Jesus, you're not even there yet. Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. Well, when you start to speak in tongues, it's the same thing. I'm confessing what I believe that you'll give me. Again, this is not a teaching on tongues, but this is helping, I can tell. 
Lord, and in that bookstore, I just started speaking. I said, Lord, give me the words. Give me the syllables in the spirit again. Let it be fruit of this fresh feeling again. And I started speaking, and I wish I could tell you exactly the syllables that I had that day, but I don't remember them. But I'll, I'll make up something like it was. It was kind of slow. Shama, shama, shizu, so. It was very broken, very didn't feel like it was a good flow. I wasn't feeling anything when I started. I was just saying, I know that if I ask you, you'll feel me again fresh. Yeah. And you told me, start, start stirring up the gift. I started praying like that. Within just a few seconds, I felt the power of God rush back into my body. I felt strength come from the Holy Ghost. I felt the glory of God like I had not felt in years and years and years. And all of a sudden, some of that stuff, that bondage that had been on me in the world, it just cracked off of my life. And instantly, I started going up with God again. In Him, we live and move and have our being. It tells us as a commandment to every believer, be filled with the Spirit. This is not something we should overlook. This is a commandment of God. Be filled with the Spirit. Look at John chapter 20 and verse 19. We've been talking about our need to awake. Our need to wake up. Most of the problems that we've had with the church have come not because the church isn't real and not because God isn't real. It's been because the church has been asleep. Look at this, John chapter 19, or chapter 20, and verse 19. Now at this point in Scripture, Jesus had come to the earth as a baby, had grown up, increased in the things of God, had now taught his disciples for three and a half years, and now here he is, he's been killed and has resurrected from the dead, the power of God. Resurrection power, bringing him back from the dead. And here in this moment, now he's resurrected. The disciples are in the upper room. Look at what happens here in verse 19. So it was, so when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, say that with me, the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. In other words, it's like all of y'all sitting here and just like through the wall, all of a sudden, you know, Jesus is not there. And then he's like, Peace be with you. The power of God. He, he just manifested right in that room. Can you imagine what they were thinking? Whoa. <laughs> Today's a different day. Something has done happened up in here. I don't know what's about to happen next, but something has happened right now. He wasn't here a second ago. Did anybody let him in? No, the doors were shut. Jesus says, and comes in. A powerful God. This is, this is not stories. This is reality. This has happened to friends of mine. Translated. Because, listen, this world's bigger than what you see. Yeah. This, these worlds are bigger than what you see. Right. You're in this world, but not of this right. world, the Bible says. The worlds are bigger. The problem is we've been walking by sight 
and not by faith, and so we've only seen what we can see with our physical eyes. It's part of the reason why the church has said God's all-powerful, but they haven't seen the power. They haven't seen it. Watch this. Jesus comes in and says, peace be with you. I find that funny because I'm thinking they probably weren't at peace when he just went boom. He's probably like, all right, settle down, peace. <laughs> peace, peace, y'all, peace. I'm sure he said y'all. <laughs> peace. Verse 20, and when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. They then rejoiced. They're like, oh, okay, it's you, Jesus. I didn't know what that was. <laughs> Peace. Then Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is a breath. Do you remember in the garden, the story of the garden? How did man come to life? The breath of God. Right into his nostrils. What did, it, what did man receive in that moment? The Holy Spirit. And it brought him to life. That same Holy Spirit will bring you to life today in your finances, in your body. Actually, in Romans 8, it says, If the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead dwells in you, it will bring life to your mortal body. You can walk in divine health. Many people don't know these things as a reality, so they don't walk in them. And then when they don't walk in them, then the world looks at them and says, well, where is this great big God that you keep talking about? But we don't know it as a reality, so we don't walk in it, so people don't see this reality. But we are the people. I'm talking to the people today that are called to live this reality, to live the power of God, to bring it about. But watch here what happens. So now they receive the Holy Ghost. Do you know what this is? These are the first people that received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and God sealed them with the Holy Ghost. This was not the filling of the Holy Ghost. That happens in Acts chapter 2, but they were born again. These were the first people born again and going to heaven right here on the earth. And he says, receive the Holy Ghost. And fresh breath came into their life. And now they were connected. They were connected with God again. Peace be with you. And he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Ghost. Now watch this. Now let's go to Acts. Or excuse me, go one chapter over John 21. John 21. What have we been talking about in this series? We've been talking about it's time for an awakening. Now these guys, now they're born again. They've received the sealing of the Holy Ghost. Jesus came through the wall and appeared to them. I mean, if you saw, if Jesus, you know, imagine if when you got here today and then I wasn't here, you didn't see me yet, and then they worshiped, and then Nicole said, hey, everybody, told a corny joke, and welcome to Boomerang House of Love and Prayer, you know, living in abundance, win souls, and making disciples for Jesus, and then Paul did the offering, but you still hadn't seen me, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's just standing here, and all of a sudden, I just go, Poof. And I appear right here and come down and talk to you, and you know, all right, that's not the devil doing that work, you know God's doing it. Let's say you know, would I have your attention? 
Would your life maybe look different? Would you think differently? Because there's one thing about the supernatural. When the supernatural happens, you don't look at things the same. When the power of God does something, a miracle, something, a healing right in that moment, you don't look at God the same. You don't look at the world the same. You look differently. You might always look at things differently, but let me ask you this question. Even though you are supernaturally born again, can you go back to sleep? One chapter later, Jesus appeared to him. One chapter later, this is what happened. Verse 2, chapter 21, verse 2. Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples were together. This is just a few days later. If, if a few, it might have just been one. It was just a little bit of time later. We know that from the time Jesus resurrected from the cross to Acts chapter 2 is 50 days. So this is, just, this is within that 50 days. They saw Jesus appear to them out of nowhere. He breathed on them. Supernaturally, they become a new creation in Christ. They're born again, but just a few days later, here they are. Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Verse 3, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will also come with you. They went out, got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. What are they doing? Didn't Jesus tell them and command them, go and win souls? Didn't he tell them to go do these things? Didn't he, didn't he express to them that they would change the world and they're fishing? I'm going fishing. What's really going on here? Supernaturally, Jesus shows up in the room without the doors being open. He breathes on them, and they're born again. Supernatural change in their life. And all of a sudden, they're like, eh, I'm going fishing. Right. What are they doing? They're going back to what they're used to. You said it. They're falling asleep. Why? Because there's something about us that we really like our comfort. We really like the way things have been, even if the things were bad. There's something about a corrupted human nature that clings and doesn't want to change. Right. It clings and doesn't want to give itself to change. And so even though the power of God had completely renewed them, even though they saw Jesus appear in the room and he, they touched his hand, they saw a resurrected man that came back from the dead with holes in his hand and holes in his side and holes in his feet, even though they saw this man right in front of them appearing in the room with the door shut. He breathes on them. Do you, has anybody ever been born again and you just cried and cried because you just felt free? The freedom of Jesus Christ. This happened to them when he breathed on them. And they're a brand new creature. But there's something about the corrupted flesh. It's just like us, you know, when the alarm clock goes off. Stupid alarm clock. I don't die. 
snooze. Who holds the record for the snooze tap? <laughs> Candy pointed at Bobby without any length of time. She, I said, who holds it? She goes, <laughs> apparently she's opinionated about that. I don't know. There's something about the corrupted flesh that just wants to keep hitting the snooze button and not wake up. But the problem with not waking up is we stop producing fruit. And the answer is that we're supposed to be the salt and the light to the earth when it's time to produce the fruit of God, the supernatural power of God, we're asleep. They're going back to what's comfortable. Why? Because they had been fishermen. I don't know what to do right now. I'm going fishing. I'm going to go do what's comfortable. You're going to see how this was wrong thinking in just a second. And watch what happens. He says right here, he says, I'm going fishing. They said, we're coming with you. We're coming. We've seen the power of God, but we're, we're coming with you. Then he says this. But when the day was now breaking, because they'd gone the whole night, they hadn't caught anything. This reminds you of another story that happened when they had fished the whole night and they hadn't caught. This is the second time. They had caught nothing. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach. And yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, children. Yeah, because he talks like that. Uh, children. Was that like broken England English? Children, I like, I don't know what that was. It was, it was a bad mix. You know, that's what happens when you watch the miniseries Jesus of Nazareth as a kid. Um, Jesus with blue eyes and an English accent. Because you know the King James is what he spoke yeah, back 2,000 years ago, right? I mean, that's what I've heard. That's not true. He's, he spoke in Aramean. Hebrew and Aramaic. But then we translated to English, and the first English that we really had that was mass production was the King James. I'm making a joke. It's not working very well. When you have to explain yourself, Barrett called it, but she didn't laugh out loud, so. I didn't protect the anointing. I know. I'm Children, you don't have any fish, do you? They answered him, no. <laughs> and he said to them, cast the net, I can't do this, cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll find a catch. This happened to you in the broadcast. I'm going to blame it on you. So they cast the net on the right side of the boat. Watch this. These are professional fishermen. These are not guys that don't know what they're doing. These are guys that know what they're doing. They lived their life catching fish, making a living by catching fish. They fished all night, no fish. Children! In today's English, we'd be like, hey, how about cast the net on the other side? Good plan. They cast the net on the other side. Watch this. Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find a catch. He's prophesying. So they cast, 
And then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. So many fish, they couldn't haul it in. All of them pulling up. All of them pulling up. Therefore, the disciple, this supernatural, see, this doesn't just happen. This is supernatural at the word of Jesus. Who am I talking to today? I'm talking to the body of Christ, the hands and the feet of Christ. When you say something, God backs it up. When it's based on his word and you ask him for something, God backs it up. I'm talking to people that if we'll learn to put our doubts away and we'll put our trust in a supernatural, all-loving God, you will see the power of God. He didn't say just the pastors will see the power of God. No, he said those that believe will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They'll raise the dead. They'll cast out lepers. They'll cast out devils. They will see the power of God. Who? Those that believe. He said all he did, cast it on the other side, and you will catch fish. They cast it on the other side. The disciple whom Jesus loves, verse 7, said to Peter, It is the Lord, because this has happened before. It's the Lord. They recognize the power of God. It's the Lord. It's Jesus. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loves said to Peter, It's the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard it, that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment on, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. Watch this. Here's the repentance of Peter. Oh, I've been wrong. I went and did what my flesh is comfortable with. It's the Lord. Let me gather all my stuff I'm not coming back to this boat. I'm not coming back to this boat. See, when we get our faith in that level and we say, I'm not coming back to the boat of the world. I'm not coming back to the commonality of the world. But Lord, I'm yours. I I might get bored at times, but I will not drop the mission of God. I will not drop faith. I will not drop hope in you. He grabs up everything he has. And he, listen, he jumps in the water. (laughs) Have you ever that was <laughs> Have you ever tried to swim in the water with all your clothes? It's difficult. In boot camp with the Marines, they're like, "Hey, here's a bag. Here here's this. You do this with your pants and you can float and here's your boot. Boots are really heavy in water, by the way, just in case you don't know." All of a sudden they're like, "Boom boom, here's Steinborn going down." down. And then we're in the water with our little fake plastic rifle sinking to the bottom. It's hard to swim with clothes on. Peter doesn't care. Peter doesn't care. He said, it's the Lord. I'm not coming back to this boat. See, there's a life that was before, before Jesus. It's time to get baptized. In the water of God. And the first part of getting baptized in the water of God is saying, Lord, I'm all in with you. I'm not coming back to this boat. I'm not coming back to this boat. I'm not going back to those ways, to those words, to those thoughts, to those movies, to those actions. I'm not going back to it. I'm not going back to it. I'm going to the Lord. And what will you find? Has anybody ever felt bad because you knew you didn't do stuff right? Well, if anybody ever felt bad, Peter did. Because on the night 
that Jesus was betrayed. He said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. I'm telling you, a few months ago, standing on that plateau where Peter was standing, it was early in the morning, and guess what's crowing? The roosters. I've been Peter. I don't know the man. I've denied him before in my life. I've denied him by my actions, by my thoughts. I know I should think this, but I want to think this worldly thought. I'm going back to my comfort zone. I'm going back into the boat. I've denied him in that time. Here was Peter three times. I don't know Jesus. I don't know the man. He gets to the shore. See, we don't feel worthy. You remember the time before when the fish came in. Here comes all this supernatural harvest of fish, and and Peter hits his knees. Get away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. We've all been in that position. Lord, I'm, I'm not worthy of your love. Who in here was worthy by yourself of the love of Jesus Christ? Worthy on our actions? No one. Worthy because of his heart towards us? Everyone. Lord, I'm not worthy of your power in my life. I'm not worthy of it. I'm not worthy of it. And all of a sudden, Peter says, I'm not going back to that boat again. Now he's probably feeling unworthy. Oh my goodness, I went straight back to fishing. I went straight back to those worldly ways. I went straight back to the comfort level of my flesh. He probably recognizes that. Does he feel empowered? Does he feel like he has everything? No, he gets to the shore... And Jesus already has fish. He didn't even have to go fishing. Jesus had supply for him waiting. It's, already, it's, it's not just fish. They don't even need to be clean. They're cooking. Anybody hungry? Over to fire. It's, about, it's ready. The supply. Supernatural supply. See... When you think, I don't know what's going to do. I don't know how we're going to pay these bills. Oh, my goodness, if these creditors don't stop calling me. You're thinking that. Jesus is sitting on the shore waiting for us to jump out of the boat. Whew, man, did you feel the power of that? He's sitting on the shore waiting for us to jump out of the boat. Get baptized in a commitment to go find Jesus. To just go to him. He says, if you come to me, take me by the hand. Thanks be unto God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Not only that, but Jesus had denied them three times. He didn't, Peter wasn't carrying anything. If he was carrying anything bad, it was condemnation. He's carrying condemnation. Lord, I denied you. Jesus says, do you love me? Right. <clears throat> you know I love you. Okay, if, I, if you love me, then keep my commandment. Feed my sheep. Do the, work of, do the work of ministry. Peter, do you love me? I love you, Lord. Do the work of ministry. I'm paraphrasing. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. I imagine it's at that moment that Peter called it. He's given me three times to renounce my denial of him, where I denied him three times. I imagine that that moment is what connected with him at some point in time. He said, he let me be redeemed. Everything where I thought I'd let him down, he gave me the way to come back to him. Every place where I felt inadequate, 
He let me feel redeemed. He, he was providing for my lunch. He was providing for my life, for my welfare. He was providing for my health. He was even providing when I sinned. He was providing. All that's waiting on us. All of it's waiting on us. We simply have to baptize ourselves in the commitment. Jesus, I'm coming after you and I'll never turn back to the boat. I'll never turn back to the boat. I need you. The world is waiting on us to jump out of the boat with everything we have and be who God called us to be. They were born again but they were not fully awake. And then over in Acts chapter 1, Jesus had told them, wait on the promise of the Father. You're born again, but there's something else coming, a baptism of the Holy Ghost. You can see by their questions, I want you to see this, up till this moment, up till Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, they're not winning souls. They're not producing fruit of winning souls. They don't even have revelation of what the Holy Ghost is or what they're supposed to do with it. They're not walking in the fruit of souls. They're not walking in the fruit of revelation. They spent three and a half years with Jesus and still they miss a major piece right there in Acts chapter 1. And then not only that, but they're not really walking in power. So all of these things, remember the kingdom of God doesn't just consist in word only, but the kingdom of God consists in power. It consists in fruit, winning souls, making disciples, supernatural revelation, and the power of God to heal, deliver, set the captive free. They're not walking. They're born again, but they're still asleep. Because they needed to fully wake up to the power of God in the Holy Ghost. Remember, he commanded us in Ephesians, be filled with the Spirit. Acts chapter 2. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Today, 50 days after the Sabbath resurrection of Jesus Christ. This year has been so weird and strange and I've never seen headlines like I've seen this year. I was looking at something just last night before we go to bed and I, I was just telling Nicole, I mean, I, I pretty much have a clue spiritually what's going on, but you see some of these details and, it, and I just said to her, you know, kind of to describe how I was feeling, what in the world is going on in this world? What in the world? I mean, I, I have an answer for that spiritually, but it's like, this is crazy. This is absolutely nuts. What in the world is going on? When the coronavirus hit, remember the vision. It's time. It's time for an awakening. When the coronavirus hit, I don't think any of us could have imagined that we'd be out of the church building for two months. Now, we weren't. We were maybe a month and a half, and we had services every week. We'd drive in service. Praise God. It felt so good to be back in here last week. Didn't you enjoy it? Just such a blessing to be able to assemble together the saints of God 
and the power. You could feel it, and you feel it this morning. God's about to do something here in just a couple of minutes, and you need to get prepared for it. He's going to change your life because he backs up his word with signs and wonders following. That's who he is. He makes a promise of it. But when this started going down, instantly for those that were paying attention and had some maturity in the spirit, they started recognizing you know, because you had the Passover that celebrated where the blood of the lamb was applied to the household and all of the death and destruction passed over the people that would receive the blood of the lamb. Well, Jesus, of course, was the pure spotless lamb. And for whoever receives the blood of the lamb, whoever receives Jesus as their Lord and Savior, all of death and destruction can pass over them, and they are redeemed from every bit of the curse. Every bit of curse in their life that you don't have to walk in it anymore. You see, it's funny, because I can talk to religious people and say that, and they'll be like, oh, amen, amen, brother, everything. You know, that's great, hallelujah. I can tell somebody that, I can tell somebody that doesn't, has never been in church any day of their life, not one day of their life, I can tell them you never have to walk in the curse again. And they'll take it like a child at face value with the faith of a child. And they won't walk in the curse that a religious person will because they'll just say, he told me in that word that I'm redeemed from the curse. That means I don't have to walk in the curse anymore. And that person will walk like crazy. And, and they'll do the power of God. You heard the story about Todd White? He's just that guy. He's that guy who didn't know anything. He, he hadn't seen anything. He just knew he was supposed to go tell people about the good stuff of Jesus and the power of God just started flowing in. But then you take somebody who's gone to church all their life and they think they know something and all of a sudden they block themselves from the power of God. So here it was, Passover, years and years and years, thousands of years ago. The Israelites are in Egypt. They're under bondage for all these years. God says, eat the lamb and apply the blood to the door and the destruction will pass over you. They did exactly that and for whoever did what he told them to do, destruction passed over them. They walked out of Egypt free, loaded down with the blessings of God. They had, they had spoiled the Egyptian for over 400 years of slavery. They carried every bit of wealth out of Egypt. They didn't walk out empty-handed. That shows you that as soon as you receive the Passover, you can immediately believe for supernatural provision in every area of your life. They walked right out. It also says this about them. They walked out healed. There was not one feeble among them. That's Bible scripture. Not one feeble. Not only were they loaded down with the wealth of the land, but not one feeble person, not one feeble was among them. What a promise. That was Passover. And then... At Easter, what we celebrate as Easter is Resurrection Sunday when Jesus rose up from the dead. Well, he was killed on Passover. He was our Passover lamb. 
He, so that what God was saying is they had the actual lamb back there in Exodus. He said, but you have Jesus. And if you'll believe in Jesus with the faith of a child and say, Jesus, you're my Lord, you're my Savior. He will be the Passover lamb. And by his blood, destruction will pass over your life for all time. So as we went into this season with the beer virus, the Rona, man, it was weird. But for those who are listening and something was happening in the spirit of God, something was saying, this Passover is going to be different. Right. Something's different. Something's going to change. If you'll notice, go back to all the news reports. Man, up until the Passover time, the week before Easter, if you go back, all the news is like, it's going to be just complete hell. But then at Passover, that's when the news started changing. Like, well, maybe it's not quite as bad. The, something, the power of it was broken at Passover. Then all of a sudden it started coming out. This is not nearly as bad as what we saw. It's not nearly as bad. We knew Resurrection Sunday was something special. And what was the devil trying to do? Keep us out of the church on Passover and Resurrection Sunday. Right. And he did it for a lot. We, we were here. But we've celebrated that. But you've got to understand this. But then something started to stir in the people that were listening by the Holy Ghost. Something big is on Pentecost Sunday. Yeah. Oh, something's coming. Because, see, all of that was paid for so that Jesus could ascend and send the Holy Ghost. He said, it's needful that I go away because there's one coming. And he's going to bring me to you. You see, without the Holy Ghost, they weren't seeing like Jesus. They didn't have revelation. They weren't thinking like him, and they weren't acting like him. But the moment Acts 2 hits and the Holy Ghost falls, they start seeing like Jesus. They start thinking like Jesus. They start acting like Jesus. That moment, something changes. And that's what he said. He said, it, when you receive the Holy Ghost, he'll come upon you and you'll be empowered to be my witnesses. Yeah. You'll be empowered. Something changed. Yeah. And so this, amen. So this year, for those that were listening, there was something. Today's the day. And I'm glad you're here because today's the day. Is there anybody here who's saying, today's my yeah. day. Amen. Today something's changing in me forever. Today something's changing in me forever. Forever something's yeah. changing in my life. Amen. There's things that are breaking. Powers of darkness that's breaking in this world right now. Powers of darkness that's breaking in this world right now. What does it call? What does it call for from us? Grab your stuff, baptize yourself, yes. jumping out of the boat of what you've known. Say, Jesus, I'm all in with you, and I'm never going back. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, There came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire. 
distributing themselves. And they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. They were all filled. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and they were bewildered. See, this sound was heard all over Jerusalem. And men said, what was that? Some of you are sitting here today. Today, today. Some of you are watching and listening online. Today. Because... You heard a sound in your heart. I got to be in this service. I've got to be there today. That was the Lord drawing you for a change, a whole change. You heard a sound today. I got to be there today. That's what you were telling me, Jeremy, earlier. I knew I had to be there today. I know many of you, I had to be there today. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, just like he commands in Ephesians. They're filled, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Let me just say, if God does something, it's never bad. If he asks you to do something, it's never bad. If you've ever been filled with the Holy Ghost and prayed in tongues, and you've had a bad uh, experience, would you raise your hand? A bad experience. If you've prayed with other tongues and had a good experience, raise your hand and been filled with God. Keep them up. Raise them high so everybody can see them. I've never met a person that was truly filled with the Holy Ghost and had a bad experience. And don't you know they'd be talking about it? No. They filled. And everything changes. I remember when Deb got filled with the Holy Ghost. We were praying at our house. And she got filled up with the Holy Ghost. And, and she will tell you, I thought it because of the background that she had been taught by religion, how it was bad and it was the devil. The Lord tells us, Jesus tells us himself in Luke chapter 11, I won't allow it to be counterfeit. He says, I won't allow, this, this is something I will not allow to be counterfeit. And you're not going to ask for me, the Holy Ghost, and get something else. Anyway, but she had not had that teaching. She started to see these things in the Word. All of a sudden, she gets filled with the Holy Ghost. She had wrestled with it for several months, right? Wrestled with it. The Holy Ghost, she finally said, you know what? I see this in the Word. I need you. I'm gonna, I cannot deny Ephesians 5.18 that commands me to be filled with the Spirit. I can't deny it. I've got to do it to be obedient to Jesus. I need to do this. She received right then. As soon as she made that change in her heart, boop, right then, all of a sudden, the power of God went in her life. And, and she started speaking with tongues and the power of God overflowed her and she came awake and she started crying tears of joy and she said, why in the world would anybody ever fight this? I'm like, that's the question we're asking. We've been asking that for years. I know, because once you got it, you're like, oh my goodness, this is the greatest thing ever. Why? Because it is a blessing of God. And that's why he commands it, because he wants to connect us. Many problems that we've had in our past with the church not being the church is because we haven't baptized ourselves in commitment to wake up and let the Lord be who he wants to be. Hear this. The sound occurred and the crowd came together and were bewildered. 
because each one of them, hearing them speak in his own language, they were amazed and astonished. Why are not all these that are speaking, aren't they Galileans? He says this, and how is it that we hear them in our own language to which we were born? Look at what it says here in, in verse 12, or verse 11. It says, we hear them in our own tongues speaking the mighty deeds of God. That's what happens when you get filled with the Holy Spirit. Only the mighty things of God starts to come out. That's what's in your heart. Now, you might not say only those things, but when you're filled, that's what God wants to do. He wants to baptize you, not just give you a douse of water. He wants to dunk you in everything that Jesus would say, everything that Jesus would do, every bit of power that would happen. Verse 12, and they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? See, this is what happens when people get filled up with God. They just want to tell about the good things of God. But then it says, but others were mocking, saying they're full of sweet wine. I want you to hear this. Just because it's a genuine move of God never means that there won't be people that receive it and people that don't. There's always, this is the most genuine, pure move of God after Jesus is resurrected. I mean, it is genuine, pure. There's no, they don't even know about tongues before this moment. They don't even know if they wanted to get it wrong, they don't know how. Right. It's so pure, and yet, still, even in the most pure thing of God, there's men of the world yeah. mocking it. Yep. So don't expect that people won't mock the things of God. They will. But in the things of God are the answers that we've been looking yeah. for. It's the power that we've been looking for. If you continue to read through this chapter, Peter now, who had denied Christ, but he received the provision of God, and he received his condemnation lifted. Do you love me? You know I do, Lord. Three times. Peter gets up, full of the Holy Ghost and fire, and preaches a message. And 3,000 people come to the Lord. He's moving in the supernatural power of God. Why? Because Jesus said, when Peter said, you're the Christ, you're the anointed one and his anointing. Jesus, you are the power. And Jesus said, and on this revelation, yeah. I'll build my church. Yeah. The power hits the upper room. They're baptized in the Holy Ghost. Instantly, church grows. Instantaneous. Why have we seen a decline in the church? A lack of power. A lack of the Holy Ghost moving. I think some people don't even realize that when they come against the power of the Holy Ghost, they're literally coming against Jesus, the power of God. They're coming against Jesus' work of building the church. And that's the very answer that the world needs is the power of God. Yeah. It comes down to it. Look here at the end of chapter 2, verse 42. After he preaches 3,000, look at verse 41. So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. One day the church grew 3,000 people. One message. Oh, that I could preach a message like that. 
Verse 42, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. They, they fellowshiped together. They were family. They were family. I said at the beginning, you may just find the very family that God's placed in your heart this whole time. You've definitely found a house of love and a house of prayer living in abundance today. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Hear this. When they were baptized in the Holy Ghost, they were baptized in Christ, in the Anointed One and His anointing, in His power. It says, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all and in, as anyone might have need. Day by day they were continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. And they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people. Listen. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Christ said, I will build the church. Who, who said it? Christ said it. The anointed one and his anointing. He said, my anointing will build the church. The question is, church, will you have his anointing? Will you jump out of the boat? And commit and never go back. Say, Lord, I'm all in with you. I'm all in with you. And you have every provision that I need. In Ephesians 5, it says, he tells us, be filled with the Spirit. And in 1 Corinthians 14, when Paul's teaching on praying in the Holy Ghost, he says this, I will speak with tongues. And I will speak with a known language and an unknown language. In other words, in tongues and in, for us, English. He says, I will do it. In other words, he made up his mind. I will be baptized and filled and I will walk in the power of God. Will you jump out of the boat and see the power of God? Say, Lord, my life, I need it to change today. I've been trying to do this life myself and it has not been working. I've been trying, I've been trying, I've been trying. It hasn't been working. Father, I need you. And I'm not just talking to people that might not know Jesus. I'm talking to every believer. I've been trying to do this. I can tell you right now, I've seen a lot of great things in my life. I've seen a lot of the power of God. But I know in my, in my inner man, in my spirit man, I know there is more in God that I've seen up to this day. I know there's something from heaven in God that's saying, Brian, come on up here. Pastor, get to work. Get, jump out of the boat. Stop being who you've been and be who I want you to be. Brian, come on up. Is he calling you too? All I'm doing today is being like the disciple who Jesus loved. That's John, by the way. I'm saying, all I'm saying is, hey, there's the boat, the altar. I'm being like that disciple. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. Will you have them? I invite you right now. Know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I invite you right now. Say, Lord, I need you. I need to be filled with your presence. I need to be filled with your goodness. I'm jumping out of the boat. Say it with me, everyone. I'm jumping out of the boat. 
I'm jumping out of the boat. Say it with me. Say, Lord, just everyone close your eyes. Lord, I need you. Play some music lightly. Lord, I need you. I got to have you. If there's anybody that you have sickness in your body, I want you to just, and you want to be healed right now. I need healing in my body. I need, or we'll do that first. If that's you, just raise your hand real quick. Let me see it. Lord, I need you. Thank you, Father. Lord, I need you. If you want the power of God to change your life forever, help, help her so they have plenty of room. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I need you. I need you. Lord, I need the real power of God working in my life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for your anointing. 